We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, John of the Macri with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast, um, where we are here to talk yet again about a basketball team that I feel like has not rewarded our efforts this year <laughs> to spend so much time talking about it. Um, and joining me to do, to do that, to engage in this pursuit yet again, this futile pursuit, one might say. Um, the man, the myth, the legend who put out, I have to say, but so Benji Ridholtz. Hello, Ben. How are you? Hey, it's a noble <laughs> pursuit. We're on together. It is, an, it is a noble pursuit. You put out, I got to say, your threads are always, I mean this when I say your threads are always great. Thank you. The Sims one, I really, I don't know if it's more has to do with the fact with the player and the, and the fact that like, he's such a nice little pleasant surprise or I just, the, the clips that you chose to exploit how Jericho Sims um, did against specifically against Philly and Miami, but like he's been, you know, we've seen little drips and drabs of this, I think throughout the year. I don't know. I, I was, I really enjoyed it. And I was like, man, this is a great thread. And I'm really happy that we have Jericho Sims. Um, not that anybody really wants, I don't know. We could talk about Jericho Sims. We could talk about anything, um, <laughs> you know, but that was a fun one. I, I, I felt like you, you, you really nailed it. Well, thanks. Yeah, he's a he's an interesting little player, and to get him at fifty eight um, is, I think, a great testament to what the front office is trying to do and the assets they're trying to accumulate. I don't know what the story is going to be at the center position next year, but I would not be surprised if he's a part of it in one way or another. Um, shameless shameless plug for the what's today Tuesday for the Wednesday newsletter. I did a whole thing on. I feel like this is the twelfth time I've written about Mitchell Robinson's contract situation since his rookie year. Um, 
I'll never forget when I had somebody reach out to me when he was a rookie, when he was a rookie and, and leak to me that like that, you know, Dallas is interested. Dallas is Dallas is circling, you know? Um, and like, uh, you know, the Knicks, the Knicks better pay Mitch. Otherwise it's, you know, it's gonna, he's, he's gonna, and, and it's, it feels like it's been the same rumors like recycled again and again and again, but yeah, I had a whole thing. And like, I don't know if you had money to put on it. Do you think Mitchell Robinson's on this team next year? No, I say no too. I don't, I don't think so. Uh, I don't get the sense that he's particularly happy in the situation he's in based on his two present social media presence. Um, <laughs> he's talking about ball movement and all sorts of things when he should just be maybe taking free throws or something um, in the gym. And I don't think, you know, I, we've already had some reporting now that, that they haven't, they've had, you know, they haven't reached a deal. Um, I don't know what team's out there that's going to give him what he wants, but the way Sims has kind of grown into it, they still have Noel for another year, hopefully a healthy version of Noel. Uh, I don't think they're going to want to, they're not going to overpay him. He's not that kind of player. I don't think they're interested in, in, in playing that game. And he's just, He's uh he's a bit of an of an enigma. Like he goes through stretches where he's the best offensive rebounder in the NBA by far. Yeah. <laughs> like not even no one was even close for a week or two there. Um and then he has games coming out of the All-Star break where he looks like a lost player. So I don't and we've seen too many of these iterations of the same cycle with him where you just don't know what you can count on. So I would say Probably not, but I wouldn't be shocked if they found a deal, you know, or, you know, it's not like we haven't seen in the NBA. This is, I think, I feel like this is more prevalent in recent years, but maybe it's been going on for longer and I just aren't, I'm not as cognizant of it. Like teams signing a player to a deal that they know can be moved. And it's just like sign the player today. And then, you know, three or four months from now, um, you know, figure out, maybe move them then. Like I, I would be a little shocked if they ended up just letting him walk and didn't get and because at that point it's like, well, you that to me that would be front office malpractice if you didn't trade him at the deadline for something. Um you know, right, but with a quote, what would it have been, right? I, I don't know what his value is at trade deadline. Like I what's Dallas giving Dallas giving you a first for him, you think? I, I, I don't no, I don't think I think Detroit would have given you something. I think you're already given you something. I don't know what the something is. I don't know if you could have gotten Stewart back in the deal. Um, I don't know. I mean, you're not getting a Detroit first any way, shape, or form unless it's a, a real, like a very, very fake first. Unless it's like an, an, you know, one of the what was what was the first that the uh, was it the the Sixers got for Nerlens Noel when they traded him to the Mavs like way back when, where they they so they could put like first round pick on the press release and it was like had zero chance of convey something like that. Right. But like, I don't know if you could have gotten Isaiah Stewart. I mean, that would have been, I don't know. I'm, yeah. You know, you don't want you don't want to lose him for nothing. There's no question. And they've had opportunities probably to move him throughout the years and it's not a good outcome. Um, no. So we will see. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you sign him and you look to move him or you sign and trade him. I know Jeremy's brought up that, uh, that possibility before um, maybe, but it's discouraging the way he's kind of come out here and you hope yeah. that he finds a way to tap into the Mitch we saw prior to the all-star break a little bit more often down the stretch would be nice. That would be nice. We'll, um, we'll, we'll talk about some, some more 
pleasant. Well, Mitch is going to factor in because what the, so I, I'm, of course, I start meandering, get away from what we're actually going to talk about. So I, I, Benji, you were like, what are we going to talk about today? I'm like, <laughs> why don't we talk about like, try to keep this as positive as possible. We'll talk about things that we want to see moving forward and things that we're actually excited to see. And Mitch does play a part in that, I think, to a certain extent, um, because he is still a young player on this team and he is, you know, there is theoretical some theoretically still some upside there, but you know, just to put a cap on that part of the conversation, I was like, you know, I'm looking at like what centers get who are his archetype. And obviously the first guys you, you gravitate towards are Jared Allen and Clint Capella. And obviously Mitch is not those guys because there's a level of consistency. And there's also quite frankly, a ceiling that they've reached as, as pros that he has not been able to touch yet. Um, and those guys are making $20 million a year. So like, you know, the max offer that he could get right now equates to 13, essentially 13.5. If the Knicks end up offering that and his representation is like, no, we want more. It's like, I don't know. I wouldn't feel great about paying him 15, $16 million a year. Um, especially when the going rate for someone like him is more like a 12, like 12, 13, you know, Robert Williams, uh, Rashawn Holmes, slightly different player. I know, but like, um, you know, like even like Daniel Gafford, Daniel Gafford got $13 million a year. That was kind of a lot. Um, but yeah, anyway, um, that's enough about Mitch. Uh, let's start here. What are you most excited about for the next 21 games? Like what's, what's the thing where you turn on the Nick game and you're like, this is the thing that is getting me to stay with this wretched franchise for another night. That's gotta be RJ Barrett. I think. Um, and I think the way he develops the what kind of shots is he getting? What kind of shots is he making? Um, the offense is clearly now running through him much more often. I think that there's been a very concerted effort to to uh, transition the offense a bit into his hands, and I think to to positive results so far. Um, of course that goes along with the fact that Julius Randall is, uh, now in, I would say dangerous territory. <laughs> where, we, where, well, okay. Again, we're going off the rails, uh, early here. Uh, what, what do you expand on that? Please. I would like to hear you expand on that. Cause I, I just, would legitimately like it, he, that, uh, what was it? Sixers game. So we've come from we've gone from a guy who made a ton of tough shots last year to a guy who no longer makes easy ones like it's fallen that far where there were two plays that stick out in the fourth quarter where he got a he had a layup that he missed on most strong left hand off a roll that yep. he should have made and then quickly kick, kicks to him in the corner wide open not a soul even closing out on him and he wasn't <laughs> close like he no. And I appreciate what he did before the all-star break in terms of finally kind of figuring out the role he has to play in this offense with Fournier yes. and, and, yep. and, and rolling more and getting more rim attempts. Um, but I mean, his, his field goal percentage is just, it's plummeting before our eyes. He cannot make anything beyond the foul line. He can't really make, he's not making free throws consistently. I just think, I, I think his confidence is totally shattered. Like I saw a guy who, um, doesn't believe in himself anymore. Doesn't know what he should be doing on the floor. Um, it's just troubling. I, I know it wasn't the subject, but that some of the shots he was missing were like, and nobody even cares to close out on him anymore. Like this has been a shocking, stunning, 
extreme decline in terms of shot making ability that I've definitely never seen before. I don't know if you have, um, you know, maybe um, like a Markel Fultz between college and the pros kind of thing, but that's like a, that was a, whatever, a physical mental thing, but this is like, it's crazy. I mean, he can't make, he can't make anything. He just the, can't make anything. <laughs> you know, it's, I did like, I remember I did an, uh, like a comp article or two on Julius last season. And I wrote, I don't know what I, I, I wrote a bunch of stuff. And then I think it was maybe, maybe Vork uh, messaged me and we were just bullshitting. And he was like, yeah, I'm surprised you didn't mention Oladipo. And for, I don't know why I didn't mention Oladipo because I was going like through specific parameters. And I'm like, you know what, if there, is there a more obvious name in terms of like high pedigree guy, you know, solid NBA player for several years, all of a sudden kind of goes to a new situation. And it's like, wow, this, this person's an MVP candidate now. What? Excuse me. And then uh, he, but the difference there is like he had 35 or 40 bad games, whatever it was that post all NBA season. Like those, those games were not good. He still made the all-star team though. I, it should be noted. Maybe there was a little bit on reputation, whatever weekies say what you want, but like he did make the all-star team and then obviously got hurt. This is, I, the, the crazy part though, about like to what you're saying about missing these easy shots, like I always refer, refer back to like his last year in LA and his year in new Orleans, he lived at the rim and was efficient. He was so efficient and it's not like he was playing in like these crazy, insane offenses where it was just like easy look after easy look. Those weren't easy looks. Like it was a lot of self-creation, like not, I shouldn't say a lot of self-creation, but there was like, he was doing the thing like he was being the guy who we thought he was going to be coming out. Of, and now, you know, it's it's I, I don't I don't know. I don't I don't know what I don't know what they do with him. But it but we, but we need to talk about it in the context of R.J. Barrett, because. Like you said, this is R.J. Barrett's team right now, and it's going to be R.J. Barrett's team going forward until they get until they trade for a star. And like that's a that'll be a great problem to have. But. Does Julius strike you as a guy who you want being the number two to RJ next year? I it, he doesn't strike me as that um, in a perfect world. No, no, not and certainly not the way he's played defense this year. Uh, oh boy, and that's and that and, and he's now we're really been. we said this was going to be a positive episode. And now you just <laughs> used the word, the term. Well, he's, Julius he's always been a, an emotional player and. Uh, you know, I, I think sometimes his defense was overstated last year. Like, I think he had probably his best defensive year. I know the he metrics did. loved him. I think that was because he was in a lot of great offense, defensive lineups and lineups that performed very well. Um, and he, but, but there he was, he was so clearly better last year, uh, effort wise, but even just like the way he played drop, the way he switched onto some guys, like there was like hope that he would make, get stops. And this year it's just been, that's fallen off a cliff too. So no, I don't. I don't want him around. I, I think I'm, you know, I, I don't want to give him up for nothing. I want to get value right now. I'm not sure what that value is, which is why he's got to, he's got to keep playing and try to figure this out, try to get back to at least the form we saw before the all-star break. Hopefully he can. Yeah. I just don't have a ton of hope, but back to RJ, cause we're trying to stay <laughs> positive. Um, it, you know, th- there's been a, he's, he's getting to the line a ton. That's obviously that I think has been the most obvious change yeah. in this stretch. Like, I think he shot the three well, but we've seen stretches of that before in his career. Um, his finishing at the rim has, I think, been better and a little bit more varied. I like. I think he's had some really nice right hand finishes, specifically that I think yes. I've always thought 
are some of his best finishes. I think he elevates better, interestingly, on the right side. Really? Um, yeah, I, I think he I think he relies or he's always been so left-hand dominant on his drives. And this is kind of a, just my theory, the working theory, let's say, I don't have any, I mean, I, I watched the games and I've watched a ton of his film, obviously, but I think he relies a lot on extending that left arm and he has such faith in the ability to kind of, to kind of uh, scoop it in. Whereas okay. with the right, he just elevates to the rim. Cause he doesn't have that kind of extension with his right hand. He just kind of gets up there and, 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 and drops it. And he had one great one on Embiid off a, uh, off an in and out dribble with his right hand. I just like the way he finishes to his right a lot. And I think he's doing more of that. Um, at, but you know, I think we've seen some stretches of that. I do think there's improvement and we've always said that's kind of the bellwether with him as to yeah. how great he can be is, is how does he finish around the room? He gets there so easy and so often that and, like how he, what he actually does in there is, is essential. And part of that. And I think the biggest change that we've seen is he's just drawing a ton of contact, he's getting to the line a ton and the free throw percentage is not helping in terms of actually turning that into efficient production. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not I'm not worried yet, but you if I had my druthers, you know. Right. I mean, look, I I wrote an article last year comparing him to Jimmy Butler after, you know, you you've spoken about this recently in a newsletter, the, you know, after that clip where Jimmy's talking to him about drawing contact. And and Jimmy's a really interesting comp. There are obvious obvious differences between the two and RJ's already a better jump shooter than than Jimmy ever was. Yeah. Uh, three-point shooter. But um Jimmy isn't a great explosive finisher. I think he has that reputation, but he's not. He hasn't no. been for a long time. Maybe very early in his career, he was. I mean, he... If he was a efficient. crazy athlete, he wouldn't have gotten drafted. Oh, John, you froze on me. <laughs> you froze on me with a very crazy face. Uh-oh. Uh, I was saying, uh, I, don't, I don't know if you heard this. I was like, if he was a great athlete, he wouldn't, he wouldn't have gotten drafted 30th. Um, yeah. And by Jimmy Butler. That was the last thing I said. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And he, you're right. And and he's not an explosive athlete, but he's efficient, extremely efficient at the rim because he draws a ton of contact. He's incredibly gifted at drawing contact and he makes his free throws. And that's a formula. It's a different kind of formula than say John Morant finishing at the rim, but it's, it can be as effective um, if you can get to the line as much as RJ is, and now you can convert them into actual free throws. Um, and for him, that's going to be key because I don't, you know, he's never going to be an elite mid-range shooter. I don't think that, you know, he can become a good one. I think he's experimented with that this year and we've seen some good signs. Um, he's working on the kind of self-creation from three, at least off the dribble, a little bit adding variation. I think he's done that to some success this year. And I like that he's experimented a little bit more and, and branched He's taking out. a ton more. That's the one thing he took. I mean, he only took 20 spot up threes or, um, not spot up threes. Pull up um, threes. Yeah, pull up threes. Excuse me. He only took twenty pull up threes la uh, last season. He's already taken. I mean, and I checked the stat a couple of games ago. He's already taken over sixty. So like, oh, that's wow. so I, I didn't even know it was that extreme. So yeah, that's, yeah. that's that you love that. And I don't know what yeah. the I have to look it up on B ball index. I don't think it's been tremendously efficient, but it hasn't been a train no. wreck either. Like it's been okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's. I think last year on the again it was only twenty attempts. I think he was at thirty percent this year on. Again, last I checked, it was 61 attempts. I think he was at 27%. So, yeah, it's like not what you'd love, but for a guy that there were really serious shooting questions yeah. about coming out of college. And, and I think the catch and shoot stuff has maintained from last season. Like it wasn't yes. a fluke. He's making his catch and shoot threes, which is massive for him, yeah. um, at least to a, uh, at a pretty good clip at an acceptable clip where you have to you have to respect that shot. And then you can attack the closeouts off of that. Um, it's not 
it's not an obvious leap. I mean, I think some of the, I know a lot of numbers are getting thrown out. You know, there's definitely some increased volume that's involved in this. He's still not finishing great at the rim over the stretch. Um, but there are incremental improvements that, I, that you love to see. And there's just a kind of an attitude about it that I love. Um, and I think, yeah, going forward, I think that's what we're watching for, right? Primarily is, can he continue this? What else can he add? How consistent can it get? Um, that's, that's number one storyline, I think by far. And what will keep me watching these, uh, these, well, <laughs> these contests, well, these con- uh, barely contests. Well, yeah. to, to your point about the, that it's his team now over the first 24 games of the season, um, he missed, uh, yeah, he, he played in 24 of the first 25. His usage rate was 23, which is Right about, or at least this is a basketball reference measures their usage rate. Like I've noticed a little slightly differently than like other sites, but whatever. Um, and then starting with the game, actually right before he went out with, uh, uh, it was COVID, right? Where he missed the games in the middle of December. Yeah. Um, starting with that game before that, it was the Toronto game. And then ever since it's been almost 30 Um for and it's not an insignificant sample size either. I mean, we're talking about this is from from Christmas. That's on. a huge. That's a huge jump. That's a huge jump. It, it's massive. And yeah. if I didn't know better, um, I might, I might suggest that uh, there was a conscious changing of the guard, so to speak, between him and Randall, where he maybe he was like, you know what. I'll defer like he did last year. He willingly deferred like he was, you know, I think he was probably, I, I imagine he probably would have liked to take a bigger role last year and then the team was winning. So it like, it just didn't make sense to do so. But if the team's losing, like if you're RJ Barrett, you're like, why, why am I going to defer to this other player who is not, who's doing worse than me in terms of efficiency? Um, right, I just, right. And, and yeah. you know, the thing I, you know, the, the thing I want to see, if there's a if there's a, if there's a wish list in terms of uh, what he accomplishes over the next whatever it is twenty games, um, I want to see the playmaking because I I took the words I out of my mouth. I know it's in there. I know it's in there. I've seen him make the passes. Well, you know it's in there because we've seen it. That's what I, I've seen him make the passes. I've threaded about all the different passes he's able to make cross court, one handed, right handed, left. He can do it. Um, and, but you know, it's, it has to be a, it's a process. He's just kind of finding his way as like this, this crazy high volume driver, a contact drawer trying to finish. And now it's time as we go here to, to start seeing the floor off of all that attention he's going to start drawing or, or is drawing. Uh, Cause I, I think I had six assists against Philly. I think um, I didn't think it was a great passing game, even though he ended with six assists. I want to see, I want to see six assists like I, that. I want to see that the usage is up. His touches are up. His drives are up. Now let's turn it into other good things besides what you're currently turning them into. You know, that's a huge step. And when we talk about him, let's say being a one day, or a real first option, if that, if that's possible, if, if he'll ever get there, that's a key finishing well, it through him better is a key making free throws is key. And then can you make, can you, can you get assists out of these drives and create three pointers and do all the things that great primary wings do, right? Can he do that is, is a huge step for me. Well, Jimmy, Jimmy Baller 
again, I mean, we're talking about this is a this is a comparison to a Hall of Fame player um, who. If his if his career had started three years earlier and he like kind of stays on the track that he's on, I think he probably would have been in the conversation for for top 75. Didn't he didn't quite have the accolades to to get there. But like we are talking about one of the all time greats. Never, never a top five player in the sport, probably you know, borderline top ten. Like, but that's the level of player we're talking about here. His first all-star season, which was his fourth in the league, he was 25 years old. He was only at three assists per per 36 minutes, which like, again, it's not that. And this is not to say that like, well, Jimmy Butler was only there when he was 25 and in his fourth season. So therefore RJ Barrett will it's like, no, but it is proof that like, you can go from that to where Jimmy Butler is now, where he's been uh, the last three seasons, 6.4, 7.6 last year. It's insane. And this year, uh, 6.1 as, as he's, you know, been able to defer some of the playmaking onto guys like Lowry and, and what have you. So like, you know, you could make a jump. It's certainly possible to make a jump and he certainly has a work ethic. And, and just the only other thing I'll say in regards to the finishing, like I, I don't much like Jimmy, actually, he's never going to be a guy who finishes in like the 85th or 90th percentile at the rim in terms of efficiency, but with the volume he doesn't need to be that. He just, he, he, honestly, he just needs to be above the median. Like give me 55th percentile in efficiency. And which is like, you know, Jimmy's a little bit higher than that, but like I, what I love about what the looks that he's been getting of late, I feel like we're getting away from those stretches where it's like games at a time or mo- stretches of games where you're like, these are terrible. These like don't have a chance of going in. You know, you know what I mean? Like we've seen that. 100%. We saw that earlier this year. Flings, flings from the, like floater flings from the left yeah. side of the floor that go over the rim to the right. Yeah. Like those kinds. Yeah. We've seen yeah. stretches where it's like, can he ever make a shot at the rim again against a good rim protector? Yes. And that's why the, the move on Embiid was so significant to me because to finish like that and make a move like that on an elite rim protector, one of the great rim protectors in the game, that is not something you see often from RJ. And that's like, to me was like a, that was like an aha moment for me and maybe for him in terms of, Oh, I can, I can get there and I can finish against guys like this. That was a phenomenal move. And and just, Oh, this is the last thing I want to say on the foul stuff. I would always push, push back on like post games, especially when, when people were like, Oh, he gets a terrible whistle. Like the refs have it out for RJ. I never, you're shaking your head. I never felt that way either. I was like, make them make the call. Like great players make the ref make the call, and I I didn't felt like he did that. Now I now he's doing it. One hundred percent, I agree with you, and I always I always push back on that as well. Uh, he creates a ton of contact, but that doesn't mean that it's foul contact. It just means yeah. it's contact. There's a there's a, there's a <laughs> distinction there. There's a difference. Um, yeah, yeah. And he's now kind of figuring it out. He's using a lot of up fakes at the rim that are that are really smart. He's getting under guys. He's extending his arms a little bit more. Yeah. Um like Harden does and drawing fouls that way. Like he's 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 figuring it out. And one thing about uh field goal percentage at the rim also is fouls drawing fouls impacts that a ton because if you're if there's a lot of contact and a lot of contact means it's harder to finish at the rim. By definition, you're getting hit. If that contact isn't translating into fouls, that means it's a difficult shot. When that contact starts to translate into 
fouls. Now that's no longer part of your field goal percentage. You're going to the line and you're getting efficient points that way, hopefully. So um, it's all intertwined. Like, I don't think Jimmy's a great finisher. I think he's probably a better finisher than RJ at this stage, but I don't think he's a great finisher. I think he, the ones that he finishes, he's not getting fouled on. So they're easier looks. Right. Yeah. And, and so it's all kind of intertwined and in, in what in your whole arsenal down there, when you get down there. And um, I love what we're seeing. I hope, it, I hope it keeps improving and, and he keeps developing. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So that's that's a good jumping off point to to kind of get to the sec. I had a feeling we're going to spend a while on RJ to get to like the second half of this. So like, okay, we're gonna ideally we see a lot of RJ. That's wonderful. Do you have it in your head of like I want to see certain lineups with RJ? I want to see certain guys get to play with RJ. I want to see RJ play off of certain guys because like I also included in in the DM. I was like, we could talk about things we don't want to see. Um, I does the fact that we're still seeing someone. <laughs> I mean, we have to talk about it. Does the fact that we're still seeing so much Burks and I guess to a certain extent, like Fournier, um, does it does it bother you as much as it does? Some some people never want to see these guys play another game in a Nick uniform again, um, which I wouldn't blame anybody who thinks that way. But like, how much are you on in the camp of like, just put these guys on the bench and let's just see like RJ and the kids and, and that be it? I, um, I don't. I want to see Fournier. I think Fournier has earned it. I think he's a frustrating player. He's bad defensively. All the stuff that everyone's talked about a million times. He's also shooting the hell out of the ball. And really, as I know people talk about really hot and cold and inconsistent. I I really think that's more of a nature of shooters than it is uh, a thing about Evan Fournier. Like, I think he's just a really good shooter and shooters sometimes have bad shooting games. Uh, Like Washington Robinson every night. He You'll went see through the same a thing. cold stretch, I think, Fournier earlier this year. Like he went through one cold stretch where it was like it was right. Really but I, I, again, like I, like every shooter does I, exactly. Like Duncan Curry. Robinson went through a terrible stretch <laughs> to start the year, even worse than anything Fournier went through this year. Um, Absolutely, yeah. You know, so like I, again, I I think 
he's given you what you paid for. Now, maybe it's more than you should have paid, but it's like, if you expected anything different from Evan Fournier, you didn't do your research. Like this is who he is. And he's playing that way. And it didn't help that you paired him with a bad defensive point guard. That was probably that's. And then to trot them out together for ever. Was, ben, Ben, positive Benji. You know sorry, you, sorry, sorry. You gotta re, you gotta read the memos, man. Jesus, we send the big. I, I should get. I should actually get like a KFS heading. Like a, like a this is header. a it, it, this team is just. Used to, I, I've gone through these rants so many times. It's like second nature already. Anyway, no, you no. caught a nerve there because I I've been. This is good. This will be the hill that I die on after Thibodeau gets fired, which is going to happen at some point. Is like I just the 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 line of demarcate the, the the fork in the road was the day they signed Kemba and I would just love to have not saying it would have gone great but I would have just been curious what the universe would have looked like where they literally had signed any other yeah person to to do that job but what we don't yeah it's been it was a yeah it, it was a low risk move that turned into as as I think I've heard Jeremy say a low risk move that turned into a high risk move when you kept trying them out there um yeah. anyway. but uh, but. Uh, no, I, I, and I, and I think Fournier helps because no, no one on the team creates more spacing than Evan Fournier. Like Evan yeah. Fournier is good for RJ Barrett. Like you can't leave Evan Fournier. The guy's a knockdown shooter. You can't leave him. So, uh, I, he's done his job. I have no problem with Evan Fournier. The only problem I have is maybe I wouldn't have given him 17 million for three years. I don't. Okay. But I don't have a problem with him as a player, how he's performed this year. I really don't. Do you, uh, do you want to know by the way? can be. What what Evan Fournier's uh, effective field goal percentage has been in the last twenty two games? I don't know offhand, but I know it's been really good. Fifty nine point seven. Yeah, he's been one of the best shooters in the league this year. Is is volume been, and accuracy combined? Yeah. It's, he has. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. people don't want to hear it, but he has. Um, so no, I don't want to see him go. He can play as much as he wants. I mean, to some extent, I obviously not, I want to see more of of cam i want to see more of i mean iq i think we're seeing plenty of i mean 27 28 minutes i think is fine if he wants to play 33 34 that's fine too like i I, that's whatever um and that those minutes aren't going to come at the expense of ob anyway so that's and i do want to see deuce he's he was you see when when we got on here deuce was like nine for nine from the field in the g league he goes to the G League and it's like he's playing against toddlers. Uh, it's, I've never seen <laughs> stats like this. He, he goes down there and his numbers are it's like he's Will Hold Chamberlain. On, I'm going to look it up. <laughs> Will Chamberlain. It's great. He's the best G League player in the history of the world. He's got to play. He's got to get a chance. And, and I know that I've heard you say, you know, he'll get his chance at some point. Yeah, but you know what? Let's start now. What, what are we waiting for? I, no, I, listen, I, I let me let me be very clear about this. I my pushback on when people are like calling for deuce is not first of all, it's nothing to do with the fact that I don't want to see him. I said months ago, like right. when he, when he had the couple of starts right. in a row, I was like, keep trying him out there. Like, there's no reason why you shouldn't try this. The Kemba thing didn't work. It's not going to work. Um, give this kid a chance. My, my only, it was more of a devil's advocate position of like, I don't think that deuce McBride is like the, going to cure all that ails. This oh, team. hell no. Yeah. No, but that, that's, that's where I feel like sometimes people are like, that's where no, they're yeah, at. It's not yeah. about, it's not about results. First of all, it's not about results anyway, anymore, unfortunately, no. as bad as that is, but it's, it's no, it's it, true. It, it, whatever. Yeah. I think we, I think we're on the same page. It's, he we, needs we to are, play. We are indeed on time, the same page. Yeah. It's time to play. Um, I want to see more of him, but I guess that all gets me to the fact that I, I, Alec Burke still playing point guard for this team is, 
uh, outrageous. It's outrageous at this point. I, it's not good for Alec Burks. Like if he was thriving in the position and like he was being himself, I mean, you can draw a direct line to the decline in his play this year to when he started playing point guard, a direct line. So what do we, what I, I understand that you like a little size in your starting lineup. I understand yeah. you like to be switchable one through three. I, I know, I know you liked having Alfred Payton and, and Reggie Bullock out there and I get it. And we probably did underestimate how valuable it was to have three, at least solid uh, positional defenders who can switch one through three out there on a nightly basis and how important that was to your defense. I get it. You've tried to make that clear in your press conferences, Tom. I understand that that was really important to you and it's a valid point. However, we are no longer trying to maximize our defensive potential here to try to win games. We're trying now at this point to develop our young guys. We're trying to probably if there's a priority with Alec Burks, it's to rebuild his value a little bit. You, you know, if you want to move him next trade deadline, you want to get something for him or, or the off season or a draft night I, or whatever. Like, I like think that's, might- that's probably, I think teams around the league have to be looking at this and be like, if, if this guy was still playing in his proper role, he'd, he'd be okay. But yeah, right. I right. I hope so. I hope so. But you, you know, it's like, this is not, it's not healthy for anybody anymore. It's like an unhealthy situation that needs to stop. You need to rip off the bandaid here, get him out of the point guard position, play quick induced there. I don't mind if Alec Burks plays 15, 20 minutes a game on a good team. Alec Burks plays 15, 20 minutes a game. Yes. Uh, like that's fine. I just, I don't need to see him for 30 minutes a night. And there's really no reason for it. Um, and I, I, you know, as it relates to cam specifically, and obviously there are contractual decisions you have to make regarding cam. So you do need to get a good look at him and see what you got there. And I think, I know you wrote about it a lot in your newsletter today. Um, he's so interesting because he's, it's <laughs> a good word for him. <laughs> he's really like the player. There's a, there's a, a really helpful player on a good team in there right now. If he, yeah, wanted to be a role three and D player. Like he he exists. Like at this moment, the but, defensive the defensive tools that we see from time to time from him now on this team are like. Again, I wrote it today. You you can't teach the length. You can't teach the the quickness. You can't anticipation in the passing all of lanes. His hands. Yeah, no, he's, he's he has real good deal. instincts. Like that's he's the got thing. Good instincts, yeah. and and the other stuff. Needs to needs work. The point of attack defense, the help defense needs work. It's not, I don't think it's been bad. I don't think it's been that good. Um, but like a, a good passing lane defender with length like his, who can switch, who can make corner threes and attack closeouts in from the corners, which we've seen him do very effectively in limited yep. time. We've seen him on the Knicks. That is a helpful NBA player for any team. It's just so interesting that there's clearly so much more potential there that he wants to explore and he's stated as much that he wants to explore. And it's one of the reasons it wasn't working in Atlanta because he wasn't happy with that role, even though that's the role they needed him for or could have used him for in Atlanta. Yeah. He wants more than that. I think talent wise, he, like some teams should explore that. Like, I think it's worthwhile. There's a lot of yeah. really enticing Benji, skills in there. Do you know who, who that team is? Dribbler. Do you know, do you know who that team is? It's the 2021-2022 New York Knicks who are that's right. five Which games gets, out of the fucking play-in. and That's exactly right. And that's where are. you got to go now. That's exactly where I was going. So get Alex Burks out of there. And if you want to play a big at a point guard, you know who it should be? 
RJ Barrett and Cam Reddish together. That's what it should be. And see what the hell you got there. You have enough ball handling between Reddish, Barrett, and Randall to not look like a total incompetent basketball team when you do that. It wouldn't be like you're turning the ball over every possession. Cam Reddish is not that much worse a ball handler than Alec Burks. Like, just just go that way. Let them handle the ball. See what you got in Cam Reddish and 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 let him let him try. I mean, look, I'm not, I'm not. I am not advocating for let him rain mid-range jumpers and play out of the mid post. I'm not. And he took one shot that you pointed out in the newsletter that he made. That might've been a curse that he made it because it was a terrible shot. (laughs) He's going to take the next 10 and he's going to think about it. Right. So like, I'm not, that's not what I'm advocating for, but do I want to see him in some high pick and rolls and not just in on corner duty? Like he's not Evan Fournier. He's not Quentin Grimes. Like he's there's, there's something more that he wants to explore and that the Knicks should be interested in exploring. Yes, he should. So let him run a little bit of pick and roll. Let's see what he looks like as a, as an initiator. That's, I mean, and think about the the potential there. If, if both these guys can reach some, uh, something approaching their ceilings, Cam Reddish and RJ Barrett with those bodies in the backcourt, like well, switchable wings that can shoot it, that can play. You can find point guard X, whoever it is, whether it's Brunson or somebody else or a Brogdon, if you can trade for him, like a, that's a really switchable one, two, three right there. Who can nice. all shoot it? Who can all move it? Like he's a name I expect to hear a lot. If 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 the Brunson thing can't happen, which oh I, he's I, such a Tibbs I, point guard. Like you talk, it's like it's like yeah. I mean, with the size and the shooting and the playmaking, he's. I think they're going to look at him hard. Um, that's obviously Halliburton now in, in Indiana. Yeah. Um, I I, I just want to see that. I would love to see a lineup. Uh, I would love to see it with Grimes, but he's out for now. But you know, something like uh. Cam, RJ, IQ. I mean, I'd love to see Obi in this lineup. Whatever, Randall Obi in some center, or Randall and Obi, or what? I just want to see kind of Cam, RJ, and find you know whether it's quickly, whether it's Deuce, or whether it's Grimes when he gets hopefully gets back. Like that, that lineup is really interesting to me. I would love to watch that lineup. I'd love to I, see how it looks. I think what you're not stumbling on because you're getting there intentionally, but what you what you have gotten to, where you have gotten, is I think. I don't know how many fans are frustrated with this in particular, but it's just, it is something that I have thought of in the back of my mind, which is that like, okay, it is very clear. This is a team without a point guard, but this is also a team with guys who can, as you say, handle the ball a little bit from the wing position, especially after you've traded for, for cam. So like sometimes fate stares you in the face and says, this is what it's going to be. Well, guess what? This is where we are. You don't have a point guard. You have 21 games left to to play around with in this season that did not go as you expected. And by the way, the guys you just mentioned, like Deuce McBride, Emmanuel Quickly, like that's exactly the sort of role that I think you would envision for them as an NBA player, which is like, no, they're neither of them are good enough to be your I don't want to get into the whole point guard discussion where it's like neither of them are are Chris Paul. Okay. Like it, that's You're that not going to base your offense around their yes. pick and roll games. Exactly. They, but, but at the same time, they are still serviceable in certain areas at that position and can do certain things. If they are playing alongside of guys who can bend a defense a little bit, RJ Barrett's been doing a lot of bending of late. Um, and I bet Cam Reddish could probably figure out a way to do a little bit of that too. If you put him in, in the right situations. Um, and I just want to see what those situations are like you at, you know, something other than, or you got to let him try. And if he jacks a mid range jumper, okay, Tibbs, now do your job and say, Hey man, you want to handle the ball. Don't take that shot, but he's got to get the opportunities that you can coach it up. 
you know, yeah. if you don't even see it, then you can't coach it up. So like, um, man, like, like, and that's why Cam fascinates me. Cause like the, the position that they're putting him in is like the correct one. Again, if you want to win tomorrow, yeah. then like, yeah, Cam Reddish in the corner, making corner threes and then attacking off of that. Uh, maybe getting a, a, a DHO. He's been really good at splitting those DHOs, getting to the rim, getting fouled. All that stuff is really helpful NBA stuff. But like, again, we're in a stage now where it's like, what else do we have here? What, how does that play into what we're going to try to sign him to? Um, you got to find, you got to find out. And those are the questions that they they need to be asking. And I hope that the organization as a whole coach and front office are in lockstep here, trying to figure out the best way to, to maximize uh, the opportunity that you have here. Um, and that's how you got to view it. It's, it, it's not a lost season. It's just a different season now. Di- and you have to figure out what the, how much meaning can you, can you kind of squeeze out of it as you, uh, as you come down the stretch? Well, well, Ben, a wise man once said, you either win or you learn. And <laughs> he did many times. And the game tells you what to do. Well, the season tells you what to do, Tom. The season tells you what to do. And what you need to do is sit Alec Burks on the bench and let him be who he is. And you need to figure out what you have in front of you. Okay, Tom. Thank you. Wouldn't it be great if he listens to this podcast? <laughs> Fantastic. Um, yeah, no. Uh, I, look, I, I no disagreement. I mean, there, there is a, there is a, I think there's a valid, like coherent argument that the organization should want, like in terms of like the two, two, two man combo, like, you know, pairings like there's a world where Cam and RJ should play more minutes together than any two players on this team for the rest of the season. That is not insanity in my eyes, at least just from a perspective of like seeing what you got, um, seeing what these guys could do together. Um, and yes, you mentioned it at the top and I wrote about it today for a reason. It's like, I, it, you know, I'm not saying that like a long-term partnership can't happen if you let him get to restrict the free agency, but it's amazing how many of these things with these sorts of in-between guys like Cam is obviously not a max guy or anything close to it, but like how many of those kinds of deals get worked out in the third summer before you get to the fourth year. And I, I don't know, maybe, I don't know. I mean, maybe Cam sees himself as a guy who's a hundred million dollar contract waiting to happen. I have no idea. Um, but I could see them like, you know, if he go, if he shows a little something, shows the organization enough, maybe, you, you know, less in the years up the dollars a little bit, something like that. I don't know. Um, I think there could be something there. Um, you mentioned Obi. Let's let's. I think we talked about everybody else a good amount. Let's let's finish up on Obi. Um, Obi, I Obi. Where 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 are we at on good old Mister Todd? I'm not out on Obi. I I don't know why I say it like that. I shouldn't even have have to say that. But like, it's been an odd year, I think, for him. Right. Um, not. I don't want to say it's been a bad year. It hasn't been a bad year, but it's been. There was a part of me that, and again, look, so much of it has to do with opportunity and he has not had an opportunity and he has not been put in situations, especially since Derek Rose went down where he could really be successful. So like, I don't blame him. I, I, I don't know though. It's been oddly frustrating all, all around. Yeah. I think they're kind of two different uh, questions. There's the question of like, what, what can Obi be and like, and, and, and what he, like what, what the best, what the best situation for Obi would be. And like, what kind of, like, is he a starter level player 
it's is a valid question. question to me. Yeah, it's an interesting because question. to me, there's no team in the league that would start him at the five because I don't, and I think he's been better than we expected defensively. But to ask him to anchor a defense, I don't. You're not going to find a five that looks like him size wise in the league that starts. Like it doesn't really exist. Um, if you're going to start a smaller guy at the five, usually it's an elite defensive player. Like a Draymond, obviously, yeah. is the classic archetype for that. But they don't. They don't really exist. I mean, it, it's not like so. Is he a starting center in the NBA? I don't think so. Ever. I just don't think so. No. Now that means he has to be a starting power forward. There are no starting power forwards in the NBA anymore that don't make threes. That, that doesn't exist. Other than other than that play in New York. <laughs> Correct. And and Draymond, I guess, when he starts and doesn't shoot threes. But again, who, who, that's an exception to the rule. Yeah, he is he's the exception to every rule. Um so and and as he's been he's been one of the worst shooting one of the worst shooters in the league this year. Obi Toppin. So what is he? So that that is that is a one question to ask. And then there's the question of like, well. Regardless, let's say he's not, let's say he never makes threes and he's not a starting player. Okay. Well, how do you, at least for the Knicks purposes, make him into the best player that you can? And that, so, you know, I think fans conflate those questions because I think the fact that he doesn't have opportunity um, doesn't mean that he is right now a starting level NBA player, right? You can yeah. blame the coach and you can blame the system That's... and you can blame the front office to the players that are around him, whatever that like the reason he's not, but that doesn't, the fact that he doesn't have the opportunity, like we know enough, I think to say like right now, at least, and until he makes threes, I don't think he's an NBA starter, which is not really the, that's not a good result from the eighth pick. I think you probably want at least an NBA starter with the eighth pick. Um, borderline, you, but that, that's when you could it. have so, listen, we have to say it when you could have had a guy who's, who's a little bit, who's whatever the next level up is from NBA starter, who is staring the Knicks in the face at that spot. Yep. Like, Yep. And, yeah, and it's, it's yeah, not that hurts. Result. Look, that hurts. And I, I still, that said, that said, I still think there's a really good player in Obi Toppin, in the skill set, in the mindset. I like the player. And there are so many things that the Knicks can do to help him along to whatever his ceiling is to help him reach it. And they're not doing those things. Um, and that starts with at least he's any version of Obi Toppin would be playing some five, even if he wasn't starting at the five. So, you do again, another thing that you just, you have to see now. And we saw it a little bit more out of cause of foul trouble in the Philly game and not because they did it intentionally, but like you want to see Obi play the five, you want to see Obi and Randall play together uh, and what that looks like. You want to let him try to protect the rim, see what it looks like you want to. And, and I mean, it's not going to happen, but you'd love to see them experiment more with switching um, and see what that looks like. Is that a way that you can play him at the five? And, and especially if you have a bigger lineup in there, like a, like an RJ cam, Burks or an RJ Cam Grimes when he's there. Can you switch a ton and still have enough size at the back line when you switch that you can survive on the boards and you can survive and you know and help? Um, questions. These are questions that you should be asking and exploring with him now. Now's the time to do it. Like you, you got to f- answer some of the questions that you have about him, and you got to let him roll. You got to see what it looks like when he's when they're four spaced out around him because that has always been. His NBA destiny is to have four spaces around him. Ideally, as we've spoken about on previous podcasts, it would be a five who can protect the rim and spread the floor around well, him. But the Knicks don't currently employ that player. So, yeah, but like you can go get, I mean, I don't know who it's going to be this summer. I don't, you know, there's always a Dwayne Dedman or a Kelly. Yeah. I know Kelly Olenek is not a floor space or is not a, a rim protector, excuse me. But like 
these there are enough of these guys out there now where you can go and find one and sign the sign that person to a contract that is not going to kill you. Like, uh, right, right, and it, and but yeah. but in the meantime, you know, and again, you have you, you want to learn. This is a learning time for the Knicks. It should be that should be the and I want to see what it looks like when he plays with Randall and you spread Randall. God, Randall's not a floor spacer right now either, but theoretically, I suppose he is. Uh, and I want to see what it looks like when when Obi's rolling with four spread. I think that could look really good. Um, I think that's his best utilization as a basketball player right now. Um, that's his destiny on a. Let's just say it, that's his destiny on a winning team. Like I, I think, is it too much already? With not even through year two to be like Obi Toppin is never going to be a starter on a like a contending team. Maybe it's a bit much like, you I think know, it's early. I just, I, I, I'm pretty comfortable saying if he's not, if he's going to be a bad three point shooter, I think that's true. Like that's true. It, they would have to, I mean, I don't even know what the team it would have like to be they, right. extremely specific set of circumstances that would, yeah. Happen. Like if they, if they luck into Chet Holmgren next year and Chet Holmgren, you know, puts on 50 pounds uh, and becomes that sort of player, uh, can, can you slide Obi there at the four and, and make it work for 25, 30 minutes? Yeah, you, you can, even if the shooting never, and I think, by the way, I think the shooting will get better. I think this, I think this year has been a year from hell for him from deep. I mean, look, if Emmanuel quickly could shoot under 33% from three, which he is right now, barely like Obi top and shooting 20% from three is not like shocking. And he was 30% last year which yeah. we thought was so bad now then. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway. Yeah, and, 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 you know, the other thing I'd say about his shooting is uh, Tibbs gets a lot of flack and I, th- and, and I think in this, this season, rightfully so in a lot of ways, including how he handles OB um, in, in terms of, as I've spoken about the, the opportunities that he gives him on the floor, how much he screens with him, how much he doesn't. Um, I don't think it's, I don't think he's maximizing him, but at the same time, I've never seen, like, like Tibbs isn't clearly Tibbs is okay with him shooting these threes. Like he's not, yeah. I mean, I, he gets upset at him for shooting threes sometimes when they're not like when they're above the break or contested, like you can see him get upset, but an open corner three, like he's not like he, he knows yeah. he wants Obi to take those shots. He's never told him not to take those shots, even though it's been really, really tough go. And even though that shot is not a good shot right now, uh, again, if you're, if you wanted to win this game, um, I'm not sure that an OB corner three is, is a good shot, but like, I think to some extent, at least Tibbs understands, like that's a really important development for him. And some of that's on Tibbs because he's put in the corner a lot and that's kind of the role <laughs> he's playing. But at the same time, again, I think any player of OB size needs to be in the corner. Sometimes he, he's going to, that's something that he's going to have to develop at least to reach his ceiling. If he never does develop that, then he's a role player in a very kind of specific bench unit. Um, and I, I think they're hoping for more. So it's, uh, you know, I, I want them to experiment more. I also wanted to keep shooting threes because I wanted to start making them and get some confidence going into next year. And I think he's capable and he was a pretty good shooter in college and he was 30% last year and his free throw sh- shooting is pretty yes. decent. Like I, there are a lot of reasons to think that the shooting will come around. Um, and I just, you know, you want to see him in, in context where you can learn something about what he can do and and maybe figure out the way you want to use him in the kind of the more ideal setting next year. That's very well said. Um, I, I'll end, I'll end by saying this. I, yes, I love, I love me some Obi Toppin, but I think for the reasons that you just discussed, 
if you're asking me like right now, like what is the unit? What is the what is the lineup that's going to get my like my blood pumping the most for the rest of the season? Honestly, I don't think it includes Randall or Obi. I think it's give me go a little small. You know, you're probably not going to be able to do this against opposing starting units, but like give me Cam and RJ and and Grimes, assuming Grimes gets back and he's healthy. Like we we want that and pick 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 quickly or Deuce. You know, give me one of those two guys. Like, and I guess. You know, you want to, I don't know. You want to throw Obi in at the five with that group? Like, that's fine. Um, but like, I don't know. I, I kind of want to see them with, hey, we'll end where we started. Throw, throw our boy Sims out there, right? With, with, that, with that group. You know, had set some hard screens. Um, you know, get guys going downhill. Like, jumps very know. high. He really does. <laughs> He's a large man who jumps very high. Big afro and he jumps very high. There's something aesthetically pleasing about watching Jericho Sims jump because there's like a lot of hair going straight up in the air. His big arms. He's built like a brick shit house. Come on, man. Like, that dude is ripped. The crazy thing crazy. is like we talk about him like and, and he's the same age as Mitch. <laughs> I know. They're he's the six age. months separating them. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's crazy. Um, yeah, I'll be curious to see what happens to them. All right. Uh Thank you. You've you've been as as always. I know I know how tough it is to for, with, you you have the same time constraints that I do. Um, so I appreciate this. Uh, anything you want to uh, plug before we get out of here? Uh, sure. I I just uh, just put out an article on the Strickland um, about uh, actually comparing this yet. team to gonna, forty years ago. The Knicks had a very interestingly similar uh, two seasons where they severely overachieved with Michael Ray Richardson leading the way and won 51 games out of nowhere and then uh, had a terrible season the next year. And that was the famous, the ship be sinking uh, line from Richardson. That was 40 years ago, Christmas day. Um, and there are a ton of parallels. So I kind of explored that uh, in an article for the Strickland uh, there. It's really interesting. I think there are a lot of parallels between Holtzman, who was the coach then and Tibbs as kind of these highly, uh, respected, uh, accomplished, older, uh, stubborn coaches. Although, of course, Holtzman won a couple times, won two championships where Tibbs is not, but there are definitely parallels there. Um, kind of the, the, the lack of uh, superstar talent, but you had some, some really good players. And um, there, I think there are some lessons to be learned that I go through. So that I uh, hope give that a read for sure. And, uh, as John mentioned already, um, the next film thread on Jericho Sims I put out, uh, kind of exploring every aspect of his defense. I didn't get into his offense because I haven't seen much other than screen setting. <laughs> he doesn't yeah. touch the ball. Good. Nice, nice uh, screens, though. But uh, he does set good, good screens. Yeah. Uh, but uh, so check that out. And yeah, next film threads come out, uh, if not every game, then after every couple where I can kind of detect the theme and 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 put out some some interesting thoughts on, on different players on this team. I think over the course of the next, as the season winds down here, I'll be focused more on kind of player development as opposed to like strategies uh, or kind of like bigger picture things. Um, you know, I, I think that's kind of the, as, as we've been talking about, that's the, the goal now of the season is to develop players and see what you have. So you keep an eye out for those. And otherwise uh, I'm on my Twitter account at Ben Riddles NBA putting out stuff all the time. So just give me a follow if you uh, aren't, following me already. And, and that's about it. So I, hold on. I, I'm about to let you go, but you focused on the 79 80 season or the 80, 81 season. So I focused on the 80, 80, 81 and then the 81, 82. 
So okay, so the it's actually like the parallels are. It's yeah, really okay. it's really interesting. The parallels are exactly forty years ago to each season where they were a really surprising four seed. It's actually, I mean, you can read in the article they were a four seed. I can't wait 80, to read this. Got home court advantage, lost to the five seed. Got they well, it was a three game series. They lost to the Bulls two zero, um, and their two best players, who were Richardson and Bill Cartwright, who was just drafted by the Knicks, had terrible series, which is a field goal percentage wise, kind of like RJ and Randall did. I recently, it's so funny. Said, I recently because I wrote about Bill Cartwright in the the seventy five greatest Knicks. Uh, yeah, I forget exactly where I put him. I think I actually I had him in the. Uh, like 20 or 21 or so. I mean, he, for anybody who doesn't know about Bill Cartwright, go, go look up like Bill Cartwright's accomplishments. With this was he an all-stars rookie season? He was an all-stars rookie season. Yeah. He was the real deal. He was the he, real deal. It was seven, that's why I asked 79, 80. They actually got two guys in the all-star game. They got Cartwright and Michael Ray Richardson. Like right. you could really talk yourself into the Knicks having at that time, one of the best young cores in the league. Um, but, it, but just what reminded me of it was his field goal percentage. And again, Bill Cartwright, is a guy who on the volume that he shot it and the amount of shots he took, he's the best. He's the most efficient scorer in Knicks history. And it's not close, but that series that you're talking about, he could not hit the far side of a barn. Yeah. I mean, again, it was, it's hard. It was only two games, uh, but yeah, they were, they were both, I mean, Richardson shot, I think 22% in the two games. He was a train wreck and yeah, uh, it, was, it was bad too, which I think Randall shot 29% in the Atlanta series, something like that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there, I, I was struck by the parallels. So I, I had to write about it. So uh, it, it's, it is interesting to kind of look at and, and ultimately the, what I kind of the conclusion I came to was look, how did that team, they had that surprising season, which was really fun. They kind of fell apart and they fired Holtzman, which unfortunately may be uh, where we're what's, headed here with Tibbs and what saved them. Well, until 1985, they drafted a guy named Patrick Ewing and ultimately uh, look, ultimately that's where this has to end one way or the other is you get that guy, whether it's drafting him, whether it's trading for him, whether it's signing him, uh, we got to find that guy. We got to find the Ewing to, to actually take this team from maybe they're pleasantly surprising. Maybe they're disappointing. Ultimately, if you want to be great, you want to have a championship window, you want to have sustained success. You got to find it through that guy. Right. I mean, that's, that's really the re- that's that's the ultimate reality here, and the end game is to find that guy. That is the end game, and uh, hey, lotteries only how many months away? You never you never know, Benji. You really just do never know. Um, Got to freeze that envelope. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the time has come, Adam Silver. Freeze the envelope. Um, I, all right, that's it. I, I, I signed us in, so I'm going to sign us off. Andrew, again, I apologize if I'm not supposed to be doing this with, with Benji, but, but he's, it's a sick, we do this with Jeremy and, and Benji's, you know, now a, a KFS, you know, full-time employee. So, hey. you know, with, I think, uh, I think I could do it. Okay. Benji Reynolds, thank you very much. Go check out the article on the Strickland and obviously check out his next film, uh, threads, which are amazing. And, uh, everybody out there, thanks for checking out another episode of the next film school podcast. We'll be back with you for more fun and games very soon. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? 
Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.